Oh, Father God, thank you for being in control of all things. And uh, Lord, thanks for being here with us. Uh, Lord, what a great God you are, because here's the reality. We're here to worship you. You're holy and you're perfect, and clearly we're not. And yet you're so gracious and loving that not only are you here with us, you delight in us. You delight in our effort to try to look to you and to become like your son. And I love that because you would have every reason being holy, almighty God to just kind of be frustrated with us because I can't even get the order of service right. But God, uh, come and be with us in a way that even in the midst of our, our brokenness and our lostness, we see Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you'll turn me in your Bibles to Isaiah 9, we are going to go back there. Uh, that was just read very nicely by the uh, Earl family, um, uh, uh, the Smith family, Earl and Amy Smith. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I got to pray again, don't I? Because what we're going to do is this Advent season, we are going to uh, spend each week looking at that Isaiah 9 passage, uh, an incredible passage that was given right for this 700 years before Jesus arrives. There's a prophet by the name of Isaiah, and he was living in a time like, a lot like this. There's a lot of turmoil in the Middle East. There, were, there was a lot of darkness. There, it looked like God was far away oftentimes. And, and he wrote that said, hey, there's one to come. And the way he described the one to come is, is unbelievable. Really, you have to stop and say, it can't just be a man. It's got to be God, too. And that's who comes. And, and so what he says, he says that, that to us, a child is going to be given. To us, a son will be born. That's, this is Christmas, right? And so this is the celebration of that prophecy coming true. And he gives them some names. And the names that he gives and describes this child is amazing. He says, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. That's where we're going to start. Basically, it's that God has a plan to rescue us. He should be called Mighty God. That God is strong enough to rescue us. He'll be called Everlasting Father. The reason why he came to rescue us and make us part of his family. He'll be called the Prince of Peace. Man, the royal king who can really bring peace for us. The result of our rescue. And then at Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about Jesus. He will be called Jesus. So that's kind of where we're going. We're going to be looking what does this Advent season mean and, and what are these names and titles associated with? But the first one is this. Interesting, wonderful counselor. Um, you know, originally when this was sung, when Handel put together that amazing Messiah, um, they sang wonderful counselor. But really, uh, we study this closer, they should be together. So it's not two things, wonderful, although he is, and counselor. Uh, wonderful will describe what kind of counselor he is. But I guarantee you this, you probably are sitting here thinking you know what it means to be a wonderful counselor. And I think you might be surprised to see what this word counselor really means. Because it's something a whole lot more than what might meet the eye. And here's the really good news, it's something for you. It's something you really need. So let's look together at God's word, Isaiah 9, 1 through 7 this morning. And put something here to keep you here, because this is where we'll be all Advent season. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Someone say amen. The land of Zebulun and Nephali will be humbled. 
But there will be a time in the future where, when Galilee of the Gentiles, think Jesus from Galilee, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniform blood-stained by war will be burned. They'll be set to fuel for the fire. And here's what he's saying. The garments that a warrior would use, they're useless. Pieces such will be so much raining that you could throw away that stuff. Burn it up. Don't even need it. Don't you long for that day. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate, committed of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Again, let us pray. Oh, wonderful counselor. The one who knows everything. The one who has a plan to rescue and make all things new. Come and be with us. Oh, Jesus, your name is wonderful. May everyone here know that name that is above every name today. Would you show us how wonderful you are and how wonderful your plan of rescue is and how amazing that that can be for each one of us. For unto us a child is born. So come and be born in our midst afresh today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The bottom line for wonderful counselors wrapped up in one sentence. And if you want to follow along in your bulletin, you'll see that one sentence. This is a little bit of a different outline. It's one sentence that's going to describe wonderful counselor. And here it is. God has a wonderful plan to rescue us. And so we're going to spend the next few moments looking at what that plan is, why that's wonderful, And is it really for us? To whom is that us talking about? First of all, wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor is not God's way of describing some super Freud. uh, Or like last week we had my buddy Dr. Jim Cofield here. He's a counselor. Uh, He makes his living very well with, not saying very well living, I'm saying he does this very well, of of counseling others. Um, And so when it says that a wonderful counselor is coming, Don't think super Freud. It's something much better. The word counselor here is is someone who has the wisdom to know how to execute a plan. The one who has the ability and the power to execute a plan. Specifically, when it's talking about this wonderful counselor, what God is saying is this. That there's one who will come, who has been promised, that will have the the, the ability in his mind and his power to execute the plan of God 
to rescue his people. So a wonderful counselor will be that one who, who has a plan. Uh, and this amazing, wonderful plan is to be found in a child, go figure, uh, that has been given to us. All right, how many of you have seen the movie Argo? Anybody seen the movie Argo? Now, good movie, some bad language in that movie, I wouldn't recommend, but uh, pretty interesting. For those of us who lived through the Iranian hostage crisis, we didn't know much about this story. For several years, it was sealed up in the CIA as confidential, but it has been released and the story is now being told. And the story is an incredible story of rescue. It's a story that back in 1979, when our U.S. embassy in Iran uh, was being taken over, uh, and if you remember that, if you lived through that, you won't forget it if you were alive then, uh, in those, I guess, 444 days or something like that of captivity. But there were six people right when the walls were breached, right when our, our embassy was being taken over, there were six people who were able to escape before the hostage situation really took hold. And they were able to go to the house of the Canadian ambassador. And so from there, America's uh, uh, folks, the CIA is told, hey, by the way, we have six Americans. How do we get them home? How do we get them home in such a tenuous situation that's happening in Iran? Well, the plan that was devised, and by the way, those of you who haven't seen the movie, still see it, but I'm saving you a lot of money right now, all right? So um, the plan was this. The plan was the CIA director, uh, whose name was Tony Mendez, uh, who was an expert of getting people out. Uh, he decides that let's be a Canadian film company. Let's, let's put together a fake, phony movie. A phony sci-fi movie that's going to supposedly take place on the streets of Iran that we will be able to sneak the Americans out as part of the production crew. I mean, it was a crazy plan. I mean, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. And, and even to try to tell the officials uh, that this was the plan. Okay, what's the plan to get these guys out? Well, we're going to fake a movie and try to get them out this way. And we say, are you crazy? That sounds ludicrous. That sounds crazy. How could it ever work? And what makes the story really even a better story is ready for this. It's a true story. It's a true story. And it worked. The craziness of the plan worked to, to get them out. But you see, there's a more amazing story than Argo. It's the Advent story. It's the Christmas story. It's, it's the Christian story. It's a story we celebrate every day of the ludicrous plan that God came up with to rescue you and me. The ludicrous plan that God came up with to, to, to liberate you and me out of darkness, out of captivity, and into his marvelous light and freedom. That's Christmas. That's, that's what we're supposed to have with this wonder you see, ever since the fall, when God created everything and created it for his glory and he created this earth to be filled with his image, you and me, living for him and, and loving him and him loving us and filling the whole earth with his glory. And ever since we messed that up in the garden and Adam and Eve, God's always had a plan. I mean, his plan is to fill this earth with his glory. And I know it doesn't look like it's happening, but it is and it will. And ever since uh, the fall, that plan has been unfolding. And the first thing is this, is that, that this is God's plan to get those walking in darkness to see a great light. In verse 2, it's been read to you twice. Sin brings on darkness. 
Sin brings on separation from God. Uh, and God, it says, I got a plan. I got a plan to get you out of darkness. Let me ask you this question. What darkness are you walking in this Christmas season? That's what God has come for. He says, whatever darkness in your life is, I've come to rescue you out of that. I've I've come to take those who are walking in darkness and usher them into my marvelous light. So that's the plan. What an amazing plan to take us from darkness to light. There's more. God's plan is to break the yoke of slavery. Again, ever since man rebelled against God and sinned, we became a slave to it. It's all we do. And not only is it, is it the penalty is, is haunting us, it's death, the power over us. And so slavery to many things, but ultimately for all of us, it's slavery to sin. And God says, my plan is to rescue those who are enslaved, to set them free, specifically from sin. Let me ask you this. What sin enslaves you? And what, what are you wrestling? What, what is still enslaving you? I mean, this is the plan that Christmas celebrates, a plan to bring you into light, a plan to set you free. But there's more. This is God's plan to bring those, and I love the way the NLT translates it, those with bloodstained uniforms, to put them in the fire to say you don't need them anymore because God wants to give you peace, lasting peace, eternal peace. Starts with eternal peace now. One day it'll be peace for everything. But let me ask you this. Where are you struggling? What's robbing your peace this morning? It's almost funny, isn't it? We sing peace on earth. And we almost got to choke those words out sometimes. You're thinking, really? Peace on earth? Come on. But Christmas is the celebration that God has a wonderful plan to take you and me out of darkness into light. He's got a wonderful plan uh, to take those who, who uh, have no peace to have peace. He's got a wonderful plan to those who are, who are just bound by sin to be set free. But you know, the great deal of this is oftentimes you hear these things and it sounds like God's plan is only for, stick with me, only for the afterlife. That God's wonderful plan is only that starts really when our heart stops beating and he'll bring us into his presence. You see, Jesus came to rescue us and to give us a plan. You ready for this? For everyday life. This is God's plan for us to live our lives every day for his glory. And this is the plan that God has that makes Romans 8.28 come true. Do you know what Romans 8.28 says? It's one of those crazy verses that we all love and we all struggle with. It says that in Christ, all things work together, all things work together for for our good and his glory. You kidding me? I mean, so, so, so God has a plan. He's got a plan to rescue us. He's got a plan to give us life. And this plan, he says, is so amazingly great that Romans 8.28 is true, that all things really will work out for our good and God's glory. What a plan this must be, huh? I mean, wow. I love what, what Keller says about... Uh, about God's rescue and plan. He says, somehow with God, 
the things that were lost and the things were broken, it was better that they were lost and broken somehow, that God could restore them and make them new. Here's the point. Somehow, amazingly, God's plan is so great that even the brokenness that you have is going to be a blessing. (laughs) Even the lostness that we struggle with is somehow a blessing that he wants to restore and make all things new. I don't know how he does it. I mean, seriously, let's just take what's happened in Central Florida this last week and say, God, really? Does Romans 8.28 have anything to do with this? I mean, can this really be true? And, and I also want to know that some of this working out for the good, he has to redefine what good is. He's done that in my life. Because I've often said, I don't feel like this is good. My wife's cancer didn't feel good. But man, did it teach me so much about walking by faith and taught her so much about how much she's loved. So we redefine good. And sometimes that good doesn't always happen in our, our, our lifetime or even understanding. And we gotta walk by faith. All right, I, I think you get the point. So uh, the f- first point about wonderful counselor is that God has a wonderful plan. That's the plan. Christmas is all about that plan to rescue. Now let's talk about the wonder or the wonderful of that plan to rescue us. It's the wonder of communication. The wonder of communication. Do you not just amazed at communication? Do you know that when Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, he discovered that he had five missed calls from Chuck Norris? (laughs) If you don't know Chuck Norris jokes, I'm sorry. I don't say them every Sunday. I rarely do, actually. I was introduced to them about four years ago. And I couldn't stop laughing. I made a fool of myself when I found out that there were many jokes with Chuck Norris. And uh, I thought the one about Alexander Graham Bell was pretty good. Let me say it again, just so you can say it to your friends. When Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, he discovered he had five missed calls from Chuck Norris. (laughs) Thanks, Terry. It's amazing how far communication has come. My family and I went over and had dinner with my parents about a month ago. And my dad had, had hooked up the old telephone, the old telephone that was in our house. You know, the one I remember, you know, I remember talking with my friends and just picking it up. And it had our telephone number on it, 315-797-1776. What a great number, 1776. And it was kind of amazing to look at that old phone. I mean, listen, no caller ID. It was not cordless. You know, uh, it, it had the new invention of touch tone. You're able to, uh, to push the buttons instead of dial the rotary. Some young people are saying, what are you talking about, you know? <laughs> it's amazing how far we've come. But we didn't have very much smartphones back then, did we? I got to tell you, going this last week uh, to see my daughter and son-in-law, uh, how amazingly smart our phones are. I mean, we went on there. We had a phone. We had an atlas. And we had maps, Right? We had encyclopedias. I mean, I didn't know this. You may not know this, but do you know the highest point on the Blue Ridge Parkway is 6,053 feet? It might be 52, but I'm within a foot. And that got us thinking, what's the tallest peak in the east? What's the tallest mountain? And we're just on our phone. You know, tallest mountain in America, the tallest peaks. I mean, we're on our phone. And I got a stinking encyclopedia. I mean, this, this is incredible. And then, by the way, you want all your records collected on one little device? All my records. I know they're not records, CDs, songs, MP3s. I mean, they're, they're, they're all there. It's an amazing entire collection. 
How incredible is communication these days? Well, the most amazing, you know, so if you're young, you're like, this is not amazing to you. There's not much wonder. Yeah, I got a smartphone. Who doesn't have one? My kids kill me. I'm the only one that has a smartphone. So if your kid doesn't have a smartphone, stick up, because mine doesn't either, all right? But it's amazing. Uh, if, you, if you grew up with, ah, what's, what's a big deal? But if you uh, grew up with the old rotary or even maybe before that, the crank or whatever, you think it's pretty much wonder. You know, the most amazing, wonderful way of communication is how God communicated with us. It's just, I'm telling you, it's ridiculous. And God says, I want to tell him I love him. I'll become one of them. I want to tell him I have a plan. I'll become a child, a baby. I, I want to show him the plan of, of rescue by letting a, a teenager raise the son of God. I, I want to communicate them so God will come in flesh and the creator will become a creature. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is God's plan. Go buy a nativity set if you can see one out there these days, this Christmas, and laugh. Laugh. Say, are you kidding me? That's God's plan of rescue? Are you nuts? You're going to have, you're going to have some donkeys and, a, and an unwed teenager, and, and you're going to have this baby in a stable, and you're going to let God grow up and be tempted and tried like we are and experience all of things and the weakness. Are you crazy? We're going to, this is your plan, and your son's going to be nailed to a cross to become our sins? Are you crazy? This is your plan, that, that God is going to die so that we can live? This is your plan, so the tomb would be empty, so we would be set free. This is your plan. The world thinks we're nuts. Our story's nuts. They should think we're nuts. It's crazy. But it's true. I mean, who decides to rescue hostages by putting together a fake film sci-fi thing out of Canada to get six hostages out? It's crazy. The wonder of that. What God says, my plan will be to come one of them to rescue them. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 1, it's foolishness. It's foolishness to man. And so if the world scoffs at us, let them scoff. It's, it's scoff worthy. <laughs> but don't lose the wonder. I mean, don't lose the wonder this Christmas that this is God's plan for us. One of the commentators writes this, the babe in the manger is God's superhuman solution to the great and universal problem of sin, death, and separation from a holy God. How wonderful. Let me say it again. The babe in the manger is God's superhuman, God and man, solution to the great and universal problem of sin, death, and separation from a holy God. If that doesn't describe wonderful Counselor, nothing does. Lastly, God has a wonderful plan to rescue us. I think the question that we all have to ask is, this scripture says, a child is given to us, a son will be born, a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us. Who is the us when it comes to this? It's funny, uh, on the way up to uh, 
North Carolina, uh, we were putting in our smartphones the address of where we're going up into the mountains to find Ridgehaven, our denomination's conference center, where my daughter Jesse and son-in-law Todd work. Now, I put it in my smartphone, same kind of phone, a little different version my wife put in hers. We both hit routes. Guess what? Two different routes. Tell me there's not an enemy that just wants you to have a fight with your wife right there, you know? I mean, who's you going to use? Who's smartphone smarter? That's the question. Well, mine's a, mine's a newer version. It really is. Mine talks to me. Yours doesn't even talk to you. It's fine. You want to use yours? Use yours. <laughs> you know, if we get lost, I want to blame it on her no matter what, Right? So what's the best way for me to make sure that I could still look like I'm in control but dodge all responsibility? Because that's what men do really well. So we'll take yours. And every turn I felt, we're going south. We should be going north. I know yours was wrong. Fine, we'll use yours. No, 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 no. We're using yours. We're sticking with yours. But we are going south. We should be going north. What's up with that thing? Whose GPS direction are you listening to to follow for your life? What authority? They're all out there. Is it your own? (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help but laugh. Are you counting on your own wisdom to guide you home and get you navigated safely through life? Uh, Are you going to try to find a guru or someone's way to follow life? Or are you going to follow the GPS of Jesus and God's word to get you home? Is the wonderful counselor for you? Is God's plan to rescue you? Is the Christmas story just a story you watch or something you're a part of? We're going to have another uh, movie on the lawn this Saturday. It has nothing to do with Jesus, but we want to get people here to tell them about Jesus. We're going to invite them to the Christmas Eve service. But for many people to come and they'll watch a story, but will have nothing to do with being a part of the story. And really, it's a picture of most people with Christmas. They come and watch a story, but they are not a part of a story. You see, Jesus didn't come for us just to watch a story. He came for us to be a part of a story. What a story, his story. And what expense he'd go to make us a part of that story. Who's the us? It's to those who will bow to him as Lord and Savior. It's those of us who, by God's grace, through faith, say, you know what? You're the GPS system that will get me home. And sometimes I'll have to walk by faith, and sometimes it may not make any sense. But, and the world is crushing on me and saying, you go this way, go that way. But God, speak clearly, because I want to follow Jesus. Bonhoeffer, a German theologian who wound up dying because of standing for the faith in World War II, wrote this that this child is born for us, given for us, ready for this, belongs to me, that I know him, have him, love him, that I am his and he is mine, means that my life depends on him. A child has my life in his hands in that manger. Does this child have your life in his hands? He's the wonderful counselor, the wonder of Christmas the counselor to guide us home. Let's pray. Father, I don't know how long it took you 
because you made this plan up before time began, so maybe that's even a stupid question, but how long did it take you to think about this plan? It's crazy. It's crazier than Argo that you would come and rescue sinners like us by becoming one of us. Thank you, God, that you do have a plan. It's the most loving plan that God would become flesh. Thank you that you exercise that plan and that truly to us, to those of us who are yours, a son has been given. A savior has been born. That all our hopes and fear somehow meet with him. It's incredible. So God, as we now turn our hearts toward a tangible part of the story, communion, the Lord's Supper, that we will be able to touch and taste the reality of your wonderful plan. Prepare our hearts in Christ's name. Amen. As the elders come forward to prepare the table, prepare your hearts.